Folks, I'm also excited to announce that this podcast is brought to you by RX Bar. You've heard me talk about it in the show, um, but now it is official. So this episode is brought to you by the company I work for, RX Bar. Uh, if you haven't heard of us, you know we make most we're most well known for making protein bars with core ingredients right on the front. So you might have seen them before. They have the amount of egg whites, you know, nuts, dates. Uh, all the information of our core ingredients right there on the front of the packaging, uh, simple ingredients and um, bright colors is really the way I always like to explain it to people. Um, they have 12 grams of protein made with real simple food. We have indulgent chocolate sea salt, rich peanut butter and chocolate and tasty blueberry. But those are only a few. We've got thousands. No, just kidding. But with 17 flavors, there's plenty to choose from at rxbar.com. Rx Bar, simple good. And that's that's the uh, ad they wanted me to say. But I also wanted to go a little bit off the script. Um, you know, I've been at RX Bar now for almost three years. I have been, you know, into the health and wellness space for a while. And when I stumbled upon RX Bars for the first time, it was one of the, you know, first brands that I ever came across where they actually put the shit on that's in the packaging, the food you eat on the front. And, you know, after working there for three years, getting to know the founders, uh, you know, the executive team and working closely with all of them, um, it's it's really true. You know, the last main core ingredient we put on the front is no BS. And obviously, we all know what that stands for, but it's true. It's it's the way we operate as a company. We are very transparent and we don't lie about what we do and we don't lie about what goes in the food. So for me, it's been an amazing journey working at RX Bar, and I'm pumped to have them a part of the podcast. So, you know, everything in the RX Bar has a purpose, and that's something that I think really resonates with me. I mean, our egg whites are for protein, nuts are for texture, dates are to bind the bar, and everything is in there for taste. Um, so yeah, I, I'm pumped to have them a part of the podcast, Simply Finance with Shane White. Um, this has kind of been a dream of mine to finally start this and I'm and pumped to have their support. So everyone, if you want to check out, um, rxbar.com, I will add the link in the show notes. And of course we don't have just bars at this point. We have got lots of delicious and healthy products, including minis, which are smaller versions of our adult bar. We've got kids bars. We've got layers bars, which, uh, are this decadent combination of an RX bar with nut butter. Um, we have nut butters, uh, which come in single serve and multi serve, uh, and we have oats. So all of them come with simple ingredients. Um, they have, you know, the core ingredients on the front. It's it's the main component of our packaging and really the way we go to market. So would love for you guys to check it out. If you want to check out any of our products, you can go to rxbar.com and, and use code REALFOOD, R-E-A-L-F-O-O-D, 20 for 20% off all online purchases. So thanks, RxBar, for being a part of the podcast, and our show will be up right after this. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Simply Finance with Shane White. Today, I am pumped to have on the episode two co-founders, husband and wife, Jessica and John Waller of Humble Nut Butter. Uh, these two created one of the first, if not the first, savory nut butter that's on the market, and they are growing rapidly. I have uh, yet to try the product. I'm actually going to go get some this week, um, but I see them all the time on social media, and um, I thought it'd be a really interesting episode to have on the podcast, uh, especially since they're taking on a category that hasn't had a ton of innovation, uh, you know, over you know the past decade or so. There's a lot of new and upcoming brands, but these guys taking on a savory angle is something that we haven't seen. So, I think you guys will love today's episode. John and Jessica are uh, a great duo. As I said, they're uh, they're a great couple and uh, entrepreneurs. So, hope you guys love today's episode with John and Jessica Waller of Humble Nut Butter. They will be up right after this. Well, thank you everybody for listening to another episode of Simply Finance with Shane White. I am pumped today to have Jessica and John Waller on the podcast today to talk about their brand, Humble Nut Butter. So thanks guys for joining. Thanks thank for you. having us, yeah. Shane. 
you guys want to give a little intro for everyone listening? Just a little bit of, you know, where you're from, what you guys have done, and maybe just a little bit about the brand before we kick it off? Sure. Um, you know, we are both Midwesterners. Um, I grew up in Michigan, spent most of my adult years in Chicago, and we moved to Minneapolis about five years ago. Um, and John's also from the Midwest, but also kind of grew up in Pacific Northwest. So yeah. he has some some roots out on the West Coast. And neither of us have, you know, kind of a traditional background in CPG or food, but we both love food and products and things of that nature. So um, yeah, we've tinkered around with other ideas. And uh, two years ago, about three years ago now, we were um, in the kitchen and it kind of occurred to me that, you know, why are all nut butters sweet or plain? Sure, and, yeah. But mixed nuts are always smoky, spicy, salty. So started tinkering around with something and took some herbs and spices from my kitchen and some nut butter that I had that was just plain and put it on some, I think, carrot sticks and crackers and took it down to John. And I was like, do you like this? And he goes, yeah, what is it? And I said, it's savory nut butter. So the and first batch you guys liked, that's impressive. I, I don't know that it was necessarily a batch. It was like- <laughs> Interesting. Okay. But um, yeah. yes, many, many batches later, just started making nut butters in my Cuisinart in the kitchen. And then I, you know, started thinking more about, well, I really love walnuts. So let's make a walnut butter. And I really love pecans. So let's make a pecan butter. And that's really kind of how it got started. What do you have to add to yeah, as Jess said, um, I was born in Iowa, and then I grew up in Washington State. So I spent basically sixth grade until I graduated high school in Washington State, then went to college at the University of Kansas, lived in KC for just under four years after school, moved to Chicago, which is the best decision I've ever made in my life. Love uh, Chicago. That's where I'm at. Yeah. Great city. We love it, too. I met Jess there. Um, I joined Groupon in the very early days there. Yeah, Okay read about them in the Chicago Tribune when they were like two months old. Wow. And, okay. Yeah. And I was blown away by the business model and I thought I got to look into this company. So found, you know, the founder and CEO on LinkedIn and kind of the rest is history. And then I went to Intelligentsia Coffee to be the director of sales. Awesome. Uh, I was yeah. two years. We okay. had our dog living in Wicker Park. Um, and then from there, I went to a, another tech startup. It was venture backed and that ultimately took us to Minneapolis. So we've been here now five years. Uh, and I had one other stop after that in uh, software sales leadership. Got it. Okay. So you guys have done all kinds of fun stuff and yeah. not, not a ton in food and beverage, which is wild. Yeah. Not a ton. I mean, Groupon and Intelligentsia definitely. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, but you know, certainly not the traditional CPG background. And, you know, neither of us are chefs. Jess is a great cook and she's just great in the kitchen. And she created the recipes basically kind of by hand and in her own head. I was just tasting every batch that she made. Love it. <laughs> but we spent close to a year on recipe development and, and surveying friends and family um, until we got to a point where we were confident enough that we launched. Got it. Okay. That's really cool. Did you guys, like the first question I, I kind of had was, you know, it sounds like you guys both had, you know, you definitely were in your own career lanes and just kind of, you know, working your way up in different ways. What, what was kind of like the, the path from like that first taste you had of the savory nut butter to like, I guess like when did you guys decide like this is something we're going to actually pursue and we're going to maybe like leave our current jobs to start this? I'd be so curious like how you guys worked through that. Yeah. So as Jess mentioned, you know, we've had a lot of ideas over the years, one of which was an apple cider vinegar beverage company. Oh, okay. We were living in Chicago. This is like going on seven years ago now. Uh, but we didn't, we backed off, you know, basically the timing was not right. Um, and, you know, we've had great careers. It's gone well. We've learned a ton, you know, collectively we've worked for what, 11 companies, oh, wow. you know, across our, our careers post-college. But, you know, when this idea came to us, we were also thinking about a different concept entirely. And um, when we realized there was a void in the market for this, okay. that was something that we wanted to pursue further. Not to mention, 
we've been sick of all the sugar and sweet foods out there. Right. Sure. Uh, you may have seen a documentary called fed up. Yeah, I actually have seen that. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I have on Netflix, uh, right? Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but this is like even pre-Netflix. When did we see it? No, no, we saw it on Netflix. Um, I mean, yeah, it's a, so for people who are listening or watching who haven't seen it, it's basically a, a documentary that looks into um, how sugar has made its way really kind of into the food stream and everything and how it's not just sugar and it's high fructose corn syrup. And it really kind of spoke to me because, um, I was born in 79. I grew up in the 80s and 90s where, you know, everything was fat-free, low-fat, non-fat. And um, that's just kind of what we thought was like healthier for us. And sure, yeah. fast forward to everything we know about food today, you know, taking fat out of foods was just replaced with sugar and other additives and things to make it taste palatable, which right. is worse than the fat and so and I have also been a big proponent and a big fan of Michael Pollan I don't know if you've read any of his books no I haven't so he wrote Omnivore's Dilemma and um, a bunch of stuff in defense of food I read in defense of food when I was kind of in my mid-20s and like a lot of you know mid-20s girls I was like eating meal replacement shakes and zone bars and things like that and basically in defense of food kind of goes through a lot of, you know, the pop culture history around food marketing and what could be called food, what couldn't be called food. Some of like, you know, the, the inner workings behind how did our food pyramid get structured to say like, you should be eating mostly grains. And I was going to say grains at the bottom. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, all of, and I just found it fascinating. And basically at the end of the book, his whole kind of premise is eat food, not too much mostly plants like yeah, it's okay. simple and so that was a big kind of turning point in the evolution of my relationship with food and how I look at food products of you know not I'm not I don't prescribe to a specific diet I'm I'm not a vegan I'm not a vegetarian but I love meat but I try and eat a lot of plants I try and not eat too much you know of a certain kind of thing just get variety and so I do love finding ways to work more plants and plant-based foods into our diet and seeing fed up and all of these things it just kind of reinforces the food choices that we have and just the lifestyles everybody has you know I work full-time Jen works full-time we have two kids so you right, know right. I think snacking finding convenient things on the go finding things you know things that I could keep in my desk at work if I, you know, get hungry that I don't have to go to a vending machine and get something that I know I wouldn't like to put in my body and right. um, just kind of reinforced all of those things. And so many of the snacking options in particular are either sweet, they're all, you know, granola bars and, you know, mixed nuts and dried fruits and things like that. And a lot of the things that are savory are either meat or cheese. So yeah, yeah, right, right. That's kind of what helped narrow our focus. And, um, you know, when we, John talked a little bit about when we kind of dabbled with an idea around a functional beverage and an apple cider vinegar drink, like this idea for us, I think it really kind of formed itself because it, it solves a problem. Yeah, um, right. And I feel like it's really the right product at the right time where, you know, people are more just knowledgeable about what they put in their body. They want less sugar. And, you know, I think it also was reinforced to us because I was like, I don't know if people are really going to like this. I don't know if people are going to get it. Like, does that, do other people want savory nut butter? And yeah. when we take, when we launched in June of 2018, we, we did farmer's markets in the local Minneapolis area. I oh, love it. Yeah. Like, wow. Why has nobody else thought of this? I love this idea. Like, so I think we've gotten enough feedback from people to also see that it's a need that other people yeah. want filled to. Yeah. Sure, yeah. So I decided to go all in, um, basically June of 18 is when we launched at the local farmers markets. And so our go-to market strategy was just take them to the markets, 
okay. vote with their wallets. So we did that for six months from June of 18 to December of 18. I think we did 23 markets. How did you, how'd you guys do farmers markets in Minnesota in the fall and winter? I feel like that would be a challenge. Yeah. Tent. They, tent. Okay. <laughs> so, true. Uh, true. Did, uh, yeah. A lifetime ago. Yeah. Uh, there's some indoor markets. Okay. Okay. And, um, but they also have like warming huts and, you know, people are pretty hardy up here. I mean, we're used to, that's it, I'm from Indiana and I, I feel like when I moved to Chicago, it's like the further North you get, the harder you get. Cause I, I feel like Chicago is 10 times harder than Indiana is. And we've it's talked, gotta be. Yeah. I mean, you're in the elements in Chicago, yeah. right? Waiting, right. For the, waiting for the bus here, you know, oftentimes people go from their garages to the skyways downtown. If that's where they work. Right. right. Okay. And people do get outside and cross country ski or they snowshoe or they run or, ice fish. But anyway, yeah. So I am full-time humble. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's all hands on deck. We're a very lean team, you know, and, uh, we actually started as Jess mentioned in our home kitchen. And then we, we moved into our first commercial kitchen. We were there for about three months and then outgrew that space. Oh, wow. And now we're on our second commercial kitchen, uh, which has also allowed us to become an inclusive employer. Nice. Awesome. Yeah, so our, our commercial kitchen is inside of a residence for adults uh, with, with disabilities. Very cool. Yeah, so uh, we work with a local company here called Inclusive Networking, which provides customized employment for adults of all abilities. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, so our, our production assistant's name is Tim. He's a great guy. Uh, you should check out Thursdays with Tim on Instagram. Okay, yeah, definitely will. I'll tell you more about Tim there. He's a big sports fan. Uh, but also, you know, he's great uh, as a production assistant. He helps us get our jars ready with labeling, and then he helps get uh, online shipments ready as well. Awesome. Yeah, that's very cool. Do you guys remember, this is one of my favorite questions, do you guys remember like the specific conversation where you guys sat down and you're like, and John, you were like, I'm, I'm going to quit my job, I'm going to do this full time, and, and Jessica, where you guys were like, yep, let's do this. Do you guys remember that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll never forget it. And it was kind of an extended period, right? Yeah. It started like in April. Okay. We thought, okay, we're at this point in our careers where we can either double down and stay in it and, and stay, you know, employees, or we can really make a bet on ourselves. Right, right. We've looked back in the past and the few times where we've actually bet on ourselves, it's worked out. You know, I left my first company, you know, in 09, uh, recovering from a recession and moved to Chicago without a job and things worked out. So um, I think had we been younger with less experience, we probably wouldn't have had the guts or perhaps the craziness uh, or the desire, call it what you will, to, uh, to leave the conventional path to do this. Uh, but I also believe like you can't have great results without making great sacrifice. And so sure. oh, yeah. we're still, you know, early and new on this journey, but we're growing 150% year over year. Uh, we're getting new retailers. We're increasing online stores. We've got innovation in the pipeline and it's working, you know, but we're, we're doing it brick by brick. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it sounds like it. I love that too. I feel like that's, um, that's almost backwards from what a lot of people say where it's like, a lot of people jump and do the entrepreneurial thing when they're young and naive, maybe, and a little more like don't know what they're getting into. But I actually love that you guys are like kind of had a crossroads. So I think a lot of people can resonate with that where like you've been working. I mean, I've been working for, you know, almost seven years. And I feel like after a point, you kind of figure out, yeah, you kind of you, you have the ability to kind of go down different routes. And that's that's really cool that you guys kind of just decided that you wanted to be entrepreneurs and not stay down the route that you were technically on. That's awesome. Um, have there been, and I'm sure there's been tons, but does anything jump out to you guys as like early learning lessons, difficulties when it came from like, okay, we're going to go through with this and start this and you go to that first farmer's market. Like what were some of the, like the major hiccups that maybe made you guys second guess what you were doing or were just like major, you know, crossroads for the business early on? Yeah. Um, one thing that I can think of is, um, not all nuts are created equal. Um, <laughs> okay. We, you know, it, in the early stage, we were literally just going to our local co-op and buying nuts in bulk and, you know, trying things out. And I think it was one of the first like 
large net orders that we placed and you know we're making a product and we want to try and get the best price and um we got this batch of cashews and they were just completely different completely different the texture was different the taste was different and we were just like what's happening and we like had a farmer's market i think the next day the next day so then oh, we're wow. you know literally going out and like ended up buying a bunch of nuts in bulk and <laughs> and you know and that's just part of i think the learning curve of you know knowing your vendors and um learning i i mean i i'm yeah. sure every company yeah food company goes through like little pains like that and um just um that was the first you know big like, like hiccup yeah, for sure. That was pretty nerve wracking. We, as Jess mentioned, we, we moved on with the farmer's market. We did it. We bought cashews full retail from our local co-op. Love that. The farmer's market in Excel Street, Minnesota. And it, it went well. Uh, I mean, we sold way more product than we thought we would. Yeah. Um, food, I think food is just a capital intensive business. Mm -hmm. You right. know, I, I think, um, and, and, you know, we have a premium product because we use the best quality ingredients that we can find. And people know that nuts aren't the cheapest thing to, to buy. Yeah. And you know, we have no desire to create a commodity food product, you know? Um, so I think we might've underestimated how expensive it is to start a food business and just to keep it growing, right? Um, eventually though, you get to a point where you've got enough economies of scale, you have enough sales and you can't become profitable, you know, if you've got disciplines within the business. Um, and so, you know, I, I think we had enough experience prior to that, that we had the discipline and, you know, we had the foresight to, to managing a PL. Okay. Yeah. Maybe an underestimation of, of how expensive food in general is. Got it. No, that totally makes sense. And then also Which I would also, add. Yeah. And I think also has made me realize like when, because our product is fairly expensive on the kind of range of nut butters. You know, you've got your, your, what you grew up with, like the Skippy and the Jif. Right. And, Skippy, Jif. Know. Yeah. And all the way to like Artisana and Maranatha and our nut butters are, you know, more in that like 14, $15 range. And just knowing the cost of ingredients when I see something on the shelf that's like a giant tub that's like three dollars, I'm just like, what are they putting in there that right. they could, you know? I'm just like, how is that even possible? You know, it really does make it's made me question not only you know our like things with our product, but just like every food product I see on the shelf, I. I see with a completely different lens. Yeah, I totally agree. I know I worked at walmart.com before RX. So it was like, couldn't have been more night and day of just like the types of things you're dealing with. And I'm the same way now. It's like, once I went to RX, it's like everything I buy in the store, I'm like, what is all this shit in this? Like I can't even pronounce 95% of the things in here. I think one of the things that I thought was interesting as I was trying to research and learn more about your guys' brand was, you guys just hit on it, but was like the premium price point for you guys. And, and obviously with my background at RX and I, I work in finance, I was curious for you guys, like how is, how did you guys, obviously you kind of put yourself there by wanting to have a very premium product, which totally makes sense. Has there been for people who are interested in starting a food business that listen to this podcast, um, has there been challenges with being in the premium end of the spectrum on the shelf? Has there been I guess what, what are some of like the pros and cons for you guys? Cause I know, I know my own personal experiences, but I'm really curious to hear you guys, uh, your perspective. If you're going to have a premium product, I think you have to know your lane. Uh, you have to be smart about where you sell it um, and, and what those customers uh, are doing at the store, right. Sure. And, and where they're going to shop. So, you know, we've been intentional with every single store we've gotten into uh, from the farmer's markets. We got to the local co-ops Generally, they're, you're creating or curating a, a list of organic products, premium products, not a lot of you know, GMOs at the local co-ops. Right. We did well there to open the doors to Whole Foods. 
which opened the doors to Kowalski's here, which is somewhat conventional, but still a more of a premium store. Definitely. So we haven't approached the, the, the discount of the conventional stores yet. Okay. Um, and I think, you know, everybody preaches authenticity, but you know, if you're going to claim to have a premium product, obviously that the price will reflect that, but the ingredients have to match that as well. Definitely. Buying certified organic herbs and spices and nuts. We don't have those certifications yet. We will uh, soon enough. You know, once we outsource to a co-manufacturer, we'll have those certifications. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, it's a combination of ingredients, packaging, and the place where it's being sold. Got Um, it. Okay. But not everybody. So, you know, we see premium as being uh, an advantage. There's advantage and differentiation. Right. For sure. Um, but also at places like Whole Foods, I mean, people that shop there generally are, uh, they're well-informed consumers, right? right. They're Definitely. A little bit more if uh, it means it's going to impact their health. And they might be a little bit more curious uh, when it comes to their diet, right? Mm-hmm. So. Um, and I'll just add to that, that I don't think we set out to be like, we want to make a premium, like high-end nut butter. Like I would love for it to be more affordable and be more accessible to a larger audience. But it's just, and this is kind of part of our learning process in this whole journey, expensive, you know, quality ingredients are just expensive. So right, for sure. it's, it's, it's premium because of the quality of the ingredients. Um, but I don't think we set out to like, oh, let's create a really expensive product. It just kind yeah, of okay. happened that way. Yeah. I also think though our priorities in, in this country may be a little uh, out of whack, right? You know, we, we place value on certain things and, and we devalue other things. Um, it also, you know, we used to make this comparison all the time when we could actually sample. Oh, right. The good old days. The good old days. Uh, someday we'll get back there. But, you know, we'll sit down, you know, in the normal world at a restaurant uh, and spend 12 bucks on a, a glass of wine that yes. we finish in 20 minutes, right? Uh, you get 17 servings in our product and there's multiple uses, right? Right. Yeah, right. With exactly. Yep. With it, you can eat it straight up. Like you can use it as a condiment. Um, so, yeah, I think it comes down to priority as well. But most, mostly, I think the people that are our consumers, our customers, yeah. they, they already get it they're willing to spend more for a quality product. And I think you see that across the board with all sorts of different products, like um, the cereal market. Like I think if you had told, you know, somebody like five years ago, like, oh, you know, consumers are going to be buying, uh, you know, this quality premium cereal for $10 a box compared to like, I don't know, a box of Cheerios is probably like $3. Right. Like that's crazy. But it's like you look at Magic Spoon, you look at there's a bunch of other like three wishes. wishes. We've had three wishes on here before. Yeah, exactly. There's a local company called Seven Sundays that just launched a similar kind of grain free, high protein cereal. It's like so, and I wouldn't necessarily call those like premium high end products. It's cereal, it's breakfast cereal. Sure. Yeah. Quality ingredients and it's not garbage that you're putting into your body. <laughs> yeah. So people are willing to pay for it. Um, right. I think it's about, just a change of reference that a lot of consumers are going through right now, especially in the food space. I think about Siete Family Foods as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, better alternatives to what, what's out there. Uh, the price point reflects it. Uh, but obviously they have enough consumers that continue to buy their products that they continue to grow. Right. Right. No, it's a good example. Has it been difficult? You just kind of mentioned this, but having a premium product in a time where it's hard to, you can't sample, um, has that been, has it been harder to kind of like get, I'll say jars, I guess, jars in hand. Uh, we call it like bars in hand, but like jars in hand to people and like continue that growth through this year. Has COVID like impacted you guys or opened up new avenues or how's, how's COVID really like put a, you know, how's it affected the business this year? Yeah. You know, we have been an omni-channel business, uh, pretty much from the beginning. We got an okay. Amazon very early and then we sell our website and another online platform called bubble bubble goods oh yeah so we certainly saw a surge in amazon uh basically march through 
May for sure. And our velocity slowed a little bit uh, at, at grocery during that time frame. You know, panic shopping was happening. Right. People, and they wanted to get out as quickly as they could. They were not exploring. You know, they're getting like yeah. the familiar things and they're getting out. Uh, when that dropped off and, and, you know, normal shopping behavior resumed, we saw our velocities pick up again. Who knows what's going to happen um, towards the end of the year. I hear that, you know, we could have more lockdowns coming. Yeah. So we don't know what that's going to mean for, for grocery business, but not being dependent on any one channel, I think has been advantageous for us for sure. Um, but also going into the holidays, you know, we're in the cheese, the specialty cheese section here in Kowalski's. Okay. So, you know, people will be making meat and cheese boards and they will be, a good spot. it's a good spot. Yeah. People are going to be walking the perimeter of the store and, um, you know, whether or not they're having their typical Thanksgiving feast for family, they may not be doing it, but they're going to have like a virtual Thanksgiving. They're going to need to have provisions there. So, right. uh, you know, hopefully that bodes well for us, but, but we also don't know what to expect, right? You right. can't. So, you know, we, we've also looked at, uh, more digital strategies, of course, you know, working with influencers, working with chefs. We've got some creative ideas that we're in the middle of working on right now. Um, but yeah, it, it is a challenge for sure. It's a challenge to have a differentiated product. You know, so you, there is some consumer education that comes with that. You know, it's not the traditional, you know, PB&J use type of nut butter. Exactly, yeah. And also the pandemic, you know, and uh, there's a lot of people out of work. There's a lot of people hurting, uh, which is tough right now. Um, you know, you could make the argument that Whole Foods is somewhat immune to that. And, but we're also, you know, small enough right now that we're not that susceptible um, if we would be bigger. You know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. That makes sense. And it sounds like you guys have been very methodical about where you guys mentioned where you're getting distribution points too. So how, how have you guys been thinking about that? I mean, I know you guys are very young and you're, you're getting into lots of great doors, but how are you guys thinking about um, like the continued growth of Humble? nut butter when it comes to distribution. Yeah. And so we're in this place right now where we're kind of going from being a, a local kind of boutique maker brand to a national brand. Um, and there's <laughs> just an FYI, we have a, a six and a four year old that are looming outside. Love it. Love it. As we speak. I was gonna say with COVID, this is this is part of the course for podcast. My dog barked. I'm sure you heard that. So it's it's everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Um so you know not being able to sample our product is is a bummer. So we're working on a strategy. So back to my original point. Right now we self-manufacture. We are and we self-distribute. And we self-distribute. So we're where we're running up against a wall of, you know, John is really the master when it comes to sales. And we're at a point where I'm like, you can't sell anymore because (laughs) that's hard to tell a salesperson. (laughs) We're just up against this kind of wall where it's like, either we need to find a new kitchen, buy more equipment to increase our production or find a co-manufacturer to make our product for us so we can increase our, our volume and go out and get sales. And we're, we're pretty close to making that decision, um, which will be really exciting because it'll just free up time and bandwidth to, you know, some people are like, oh, are you going to miss it? And I'm like, it's one of those things where we'll probably look back on it and be like, oh, it was so fun, like, you know, filling the jars ourselves. <laughs> labels and it's like but right now it sounds pretty dreamy to not have to do that yeah I bet. Um, but it is a little bit like handing over your child and being like are you gonna you know well this is you know the mixing and all the things and um but having that manufacturing offloaded will open up the doors for us distribution wise um it'll allow us to get into nationwide channels that we just would be more difficult for us to get into now with our current manufacturing situation. And it'll also open up some um, innovation in terms of 
single serves and snacks and other oh, awesome. that we're going to launch. Yeah. So um, keep an eye out for that coming in 2021. And I think really our new products and our increased distribution will really drive our sales strategy in the next two years in terms of what aisles we appear in, what kinds of brick and mortar we appear in, um, trying to crack that, you know, nut for direct to consumer. So, you know, in some ways COVID has been a really good lesson, I think for us and a lot of different brands in terms of, you know, it's, it's not good to have all your eggs in one basket. So. Right. Yeah. A hundred percent. And you guys are on Amazon, your own website and growing distribution and store. So it sounds like you guys have a nice spread across the different omni channels. So that's fantastic. Um, the one thing that stood out to me when you guys were just talking about that, that I, I think we hit on at the very beginning, but obviously your husband and wife. So I think it's always interesting to ask couples who are starting businesses together. Um, how has that been? Like, I'm so curious I, when I talked to, uh, Margaret and Ian Wishingrad of three wishes, um, it's just very impressive to me to meet a couple who seems like they kind of have it split down the middle and they're just running a business and have it all figured out. Can you maybe just explain to people who are interested in doing that themselves, just like what some of the learnings were on like how you guys split up duties and like who was in charge of making what decisions and just how you guys decided to kind of go about that route of starting a company together? That's a great question. I think we're, we continue to learn, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, We've been together a long time. We know each other really well, but we've never worked together on a startup that was created from, from nothing, right? Right. Oh, yeah. You learn a lot about yourself and you learn a lot about your partner throughout that process. Um, you know, Jess and I definitely have overlapping skills. Um, I think we think about the brand and marketing and sales through the similar lens. Jess tends to be a little bit more analytical than I am. Um, she's a learner. She's a tinkerer. She's also really creative. I mean, she plays the cello and she created the recipes. Yeah. Um, I kind of go into like execute mode, right? Okay. Uh, I have a lot of lists. I like to get after it, right? I want to hit goals. And part of that is just how I'm wired. Part of it's because I'm, I've, I've been in sales for now 15 years, right? And, and um, so to, in terms of dividing and conquering, that's also, I mean, that's like a, it's kind of a daily, that's a daily thing. Yeah. I mean, I almost feel like it's a lot like parenting. Oh, in a okay. way. It's like you have different roles, you have, you know, different strengths. Um, it's really hard. Keeps you up at night. It's really <laughs> um, lots of similarities. Things where I don't know. I mean, I I would definitely say it's not for everybody, but it works for us. And I think you know, before we had humble in our lives, a lot of what we would talk about with each other were our jobs. So it's it's just kind of taken that place. I think the, probably the hardest thing about it is, you know, if you have a bad day at work, <laughs> <laughs> right. You can't really like vent about it. You know, it's not like, there's no like separation yeah, between work no and home. And I think we've both gotten better to be like, no more humble talk. Like yeah, you got to shut it off. Yeah. You got to shut it off and, you know, watch a stupid show or, yeah a game or something to to like have a break and I'm so happy sports are back oh same yeah yeah 100 percent. no it's a good point though because like especially now right like before covid maybe it would have been a little different if you guys had an office or something but now if you guys are both potentially working on humble at home and then you have kids and then your evenings are you know you got to figure out a way to turn it off that's really good advice yeah i mean we definitely try to compartmentalize when we're with our kids we want to be with our kids Right. So dinner time, you know, business conversations will creep in and we do want to give them exposure to the business. They think okay. it's cool. Yeah. Oh, you that's know? cool. Yeah. They, yeah. They like the product. Uh, we'll work on a redesign in a smaller jar and, you know, just showed it to our daughter last night. She's like, you know, you have a creative eye. What, what do you think? Which jar do you like? And she was very decisive and chose the wow. same design that Jess liked. Right. So oh, it will funny. creep in, but, um, 
you know, we want our kids to have, you know, a good kind of the typical innocent childhood. Sure. Right? Oh yeah. And the stresses into the dinner, the dinner conversation about the business. Got uh, it. Same time, you know, we want to, we want to keep it real. And, um, you know, we're, we're very honest and open with each other. I think you have to be willing to like put your ego to the side and admit when you're wrong about something or ask for help. If it's, you know, if it's something that you don't know the answer to. And I think we've been able to make it work. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think when we get to a point where we're fully scaled and, you know, we're both in the business full time, uh, we're going to see dramatic growth because, you know, we've done all this basically with, you know, one and a half people. Yeah. Just right. Full time job. Right. So it's impressive. Uh, that can be a lot, a lot to juggle. Yeah, for sure. Do you guys have, are you have making plans soon ish to d- make that jump, Jessica? Or are you trying to figure that out still? Are you guys waiting for a certain point? Yeah. How does that all work? How do you guys think you like the future steps for hiring a team and, and growing the business that way? I don't think we can't say a whole lot. Sure. Yeah. And hundred percent. I get it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but you know, we've got grand ambitions for sure. sure. And there's a lot that we can do um, you know, with, with humble for sure. You know, we, we'd love it to be a platform brand. Uh, and I think we have enough years under our belt as, as consumers, right? Like started eating handy snacks and then, you know, we ate wheat thins and hot pockets and then <laughs> started getting, you know, a little bit smarter about what we consumed and we asked more questions, you know, as consumers. So I think with that lens, uh, that will drive a lot of our innovation. Uh, but yeah, once we can actually build out a team, I mean, I, I really enjoy leadership. I studied in college. I've done it for 12 of my 15 years. Uh, I am an extrovert. So the idea of working together with a team uh, is really exciting to me. You know, I, I feel like this has probably been the hardest stage of the business this far. Got right? it. Okay. Yeah. I heard one person refer to it as a knife fight. And that's kind of how it is, man. It's just hand-to-hand combat. You're, you're building it brick by brick. Right. Eventually, when we have enough momentum and revenue and resource, we can build a team and, and have really explosive growth. Yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, lots of good stuff. Do you guys plan on, and you don't have to share anything you don't want to share, but are you guys, are you guys thinking about other categories at all or just innovation in general in the same category? Have you, how are you guys thinking about just like, because I, I personally love the name and just like the overall like mission behind your guys' brand. So originally when I read, read up on it, I was like, Oh, this is a great idea. I can totally see how you guys can make this into a, a broader thing, but totally curious where you guys' thoughts are there. I mean, I would, what I'll say is I envision the nut butters as like the trunk of our tree and there'll be many branches and okay. off of it. So I always see our savory kind of flavor profiles, plant-based protein as being the thread that connects everything that we do in the future okay. and transparent ingredients. Yeah. Love that. Okay. Very good. No, that makes sense. Are you guys, um, I guess one thing I'll, I'll kind of back up a little bit. Um, one thing I love to ask on here, especially with earlier stage startups is just the concept around, and it's funny I've had, since I've had a lot of different types of entrepreneurs on here, everyone's had a little bit different answer to this, but how have you guys thought about just in general, like bootstrapping versus raising money or fundraising? And I don't know what you guys, you don't have to share anything if you're working on stuff, but just in curious, like your general concept and theory on like how you guys are trying to go about that side of running a business. Yeah. Um, we've bootstrapped, you know, for the majority of this journey. Um, we've had a few friends step up uh, and, um, and help. Uh, which has been great. And now, you know, we're in the middle of our seed round, actually. Oh, exciting. Nice. Yeah. So that came on the heels of this accelerator called Impact Skew, uh, which is a great program. They did a great job adjusting because of COVID. It was all virtual. And then that culminated with Jess pitching at Twin City Startup Week. Oh, nice. Um, Yeah. And so we're making some great, great progress with the seed round. That will enable us to outsource manufacturing. Um, you know, some of that will go towards staffing, some sales and marketing and R and D. Um, and there's a number of ways that you can, you can fund these things. I think we're, we're relatively agnostic. Um, we're too early for venture venture or, or private equity money. Um, but you know, there's plenty of angels or family offices that, 
that uh, I think would be interested in something like this. And so those are folks we're talking to. And I think if we're, if we're disciplined and smart with the capital we do raise, um, eventually the goal would be to, you know, have enough of margin that you can reinvest in the business. Right. right? Okay. Yeah. Um, if not, you know, if we see an opportunity to, to court more investors or strategics at that point, uh, cause it makes sense at that, at that stage, we're open to that as well. Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay. I don't think there's any right or wrong way to do it. Um, you know, if I, if, if I had a trust fund and could, you know, could invest a, a large sum of money into it and grow really quickly, I totally would. Yeah. Um, okay. John and I also say like, if someday like humble nut butter takes over the world and you know, we, we become like the brand we think we can become like, we would have a goal of wanting to invest in and help truly new startups because I think something that has been kind of not discouraging, but it's like, you just hear it all the time of like, Oh, well we invest in early CPG, but you have to be doing $5 million a year before we will even look at you. And it's like, okay, well, (laughs) how then like, I don't consider that, I don't know, like, it's like an arbitrary number. You mean kind of, yeah. Yeah. Like, are you an accelerator or are you like truly like an incubator? Cause it's like, if you're already doing 5 million, like you, you have distribution, you have right manufacturing supply chain and you're just, you know, going to this next level where it's like, and I think part of it is also just culture right now where people really want a guarantee of their investment and they want, you know, like, well, we want to know that it's going to be a sure deal or we want a 10 X return. And so I think it's been, I think now is a hard time for us to fundraise because we are so early. Well, yeah. And the pandemic and and, and, and election. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say there's like three, it's like three major things. Right. Yeah. yeah, that makes it tough. Has, has COVID and the and the I hadn't thought about the election, but has the election actually been pretty? Is it made fundraising difficult this year? I don't think so. Uh, sorry, we have a uh, we have a, maybe a guest. Appearance. Oh, guest. That's fine. There you go. Um. So hey, we're actually live, Maeve, on a uh, a podcast interview. Hello, hello. Welcome to the show. We have a guest. We do. This is Maeve. Hi, Maeve. How are you? Humble nut butter. What's your favorite humble flavor? Um, cashew. Cashew. Okay, awesome. I heard you're helping with the new design. Yeah. Did you pick out a pick, new a new design you last night, man? Pick, pick out a new label. Yeah. Um, to answer your question, though, nobody really brings up the the election necessarily. I think it's on people's minds. Okay. Sure. Yeah. And some of it, is, I think, is uh, it's location based. Right. Um, right. You know, the Twin Cities is not Austin or Boulder or Chicago or the coasts. Right. True. Yeah. Uh, which is interesting. There's, there's incredible knowledge up here uh, in food. We have a deep history in food manufacturing. Uh, yeah. Minnesota is hot in that, actually. I don't know sure. if, it's a, if it's a well-known thing. I do just because my you know family being in the food industry here about Minneapolis, they always are going up there for something. But yeah. There's tons of talent here. Not a ton of early stage investors for food. Most okay. of the investors right now are for healthcare uh, or ag or tech. Got it. Okay. Right? Okay. The gap, and you know, maybe someday we'll address that. Who knows? Yeah. It seems it's an obvious place uh, to focus if, if you know, I had enough cash to invest. Sure. Oh, definitely. No, absolutely. Did um you you mentioned earlier the one other major thing I was curious of is um you guys are omnichannel you're on Amazon you're in e-commerce did um did you guys partake in Prime Day or have any of those was that like a major mover for you guys this year it's just because it's it's a you know a recent topic I've been talking to a lot of people about how their Prime Day went so I was curious yeah. for you guys yeah uh, Prime Day was great we awesome. did you know like fifty percent uh, of our monthly number you know over those two days wow congratulations. Uh, thank you. And then, you know, we've done some lightning deals as well. Okay. Fantastic. Yep. Uh, we've got a, an agency up here that helps us and they've been great to work with. Um, and you know, they're just trusted experts. Okay. 
marketing space. Uh, but Amazon has been, it's been consistent. You know, the beauty of Amazon is that it's, there's really no seasonal dips. Sure. It's all on. Yeah. Uh, and to an extent, you know, you can kind of control the volume. Uh, it's really just a question of how much do you want to spend in, in, in advertising on a monthly basis. Right. Right. So what you got to do is, is make the determination. Do we want to focus on profitability in one given month or do we want to focus on growth? Right. Where things stand, we kind of make that judgment call and then we work with our team to, to execute. That's awesome. That's very cool. No, congratulations on that. I know there's been a, a mixed bag of how prime day went for everybody. So that's awesome to hear. Um, Really, the last couple questions, um, I think the one, we've kind of hit on a bunch of different pieces of it, but I love to ask entrepreneurs on here. Um, for anyone listening, you know, who wants to start, whether it's a food company, a beverage company, or just any sort of company, what, what do you guys believe is the most important step of just going zero to one and actually going forward with the idea? I love the idea of a farmer's market in a normal world. Um, it's one thing to have uh, a great idea or a beautiful pitch deck or a design is another thing if actually strangers will spend money on. So sure. I, oh, yeah. I would encourage people to get out of their comfort zone. And, um, but also you don't want to spend too much time uh, in, in risk getting paralysis analysis. Okay. Sometimes you get out there and see mm -hmm. if strangers will, will buy your product. Yeah, I think, and I think that's one like balance John and I have, I think I probably would have tinkered with recipes for another six months to six years. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, it's good. Like, this is it. Like, let's go. And I'm like, okay. Um, so yeah. But it seems I, like a good balance that you guys have too. Like I can tell that's definitely where you guys have the yin and the yang with businesses, you know, because if you had two people who wanted to spend six years on it, you guys would be far away from launching your first product, right? Right. I'm also the chief idealist and she's the chief pragmatist. Got right? it. Okay. Yeah. Important balance. It yeah. is. Um, yeah. I, some, I think there is one night, Jen is like, I'm going to turn Amazon on. And I was like, no. You can't see codes. Um, so, you know, yeah, I think just taking the leap and giving it a shot um, and not getting discouraged and bogged down in kind of some of the, the red tape. And, you know, I yeah. think in the very beginning, it was like, you need this certification and that license and this, you know, you felt kind of nickeled and dimed. Um, okay. Yeah. But so I, I think every step of the way has its own struggles. Um, yeah, yeah, just giving it a shot. Yeah, I, um, you know, we spent a lot of time getting to this point and it finally made sense to take the leap. Um, there's a book called Choose Yourself by James Altucher that I read. Love that book. Yeah, you read it? I, I've started it. It's one of those books I have like three right now that I've started and haven't yeah. finished. So it's like in my yeah. repertoire that I got to finish by the end of the year. Yeah. I, that gave me, you know, the nudge and uh, you are a badass. Okay. As an entrepreneur, she lives in Chicago and she's like, you know, this book actually changed my life. So I listened to it, uh, you know, just driving, making deliveries, like in the infancy. Okay. Uh, audiobook, And uh, that was helpful too. And, um, I also, I would add, stay open to feedback. Don't be afraid to admit what you don't know. Um, if you ask for help, people will actually want to help. They'll be willing to help you. I oh, love um, that. But you have to kind of, you have to open up and, and show a little bit of vulnerability. Uh, cause it's, it's also a fun thing that people want to get behind. They want to, they want to support. I mean, a lot of people have dreams of doing their own thing, but they don't, they don't pursue them for one reason or the other. Right. Uh, so, you know, we don't, we don't judge anybody for taking the conventional corporate route uh, or, you know, we don't praise anybody for becoming an entrepreneur. Everybody's got their own, um, their own motivations and, and needs. But I think early on um, you got to be open and, you know, ask for help, but also embrace customer feedback as well. Okay. And just be ready to learn. Cause we've yeah. really, um, been a lot of time 
reading and listening to things and I mean and finance is a you know a whole different ball of wax in terms of the lingo of you know convertibles and equity and all all sorts of stuff so just be prepared to warrants learn warrants there you go you gotta listen to his podcast about warrants <laughs> i appreciate it nice plug i like it no yeah i mean there really is and I, I think what's interesting is um you know from my experience of just coming to a startup company and a little bit later in the game because they were already in the close to acquisition phase and then hearing, you know, you guys and other, other people's perspectives and stories, it just seems like there's got to be a point where you just try it and jump and knowing you're not going to know everything, if not even most of it. Right. And it's like having that humility to uh, ask the questions and do the research and figure it out. I think I was actually reading something the other day that hit home to me. It was, it, it made a lot of sense where it basically said, you know, most adults don't know everything about what, I forget the exact wording, but basically it was saying that like, even people who have been executives at major companies, if you talk to them, most of them will tell you like they don't know everything about what they're doing. They're still learning too. So it kind of, it should give people confidence that, you know, not that they're not going to fail at whatever they want to start, but like no one knows the whole, no, ever, no one knows the answer to every angle of anything they're working on or business they're starting. So, Right. And we've all heard about examples of people launch with a specific product and it, it pivots to something completely different. You know, right. Right. Um, and so you're just going to learn so much by doing it. And guess what? If it fails, you're going to be better off because you tried it. And so yeah. the next thing you come up with will be even better. Yeah. You're going to have chops to do it. Um, and uh, yeah, we're just a proponent of, of actually taking the leap. That's what it all comes down to. So that makes sense. And then John, you, you jumped ahead in my next question. So Jessica, I'll ask you any other favorite books that you would recommend to the audience? I love asking entrepreneurs on here that question like related to entrepreneurship just like if you what's your like most gifted book or like mo the book that you if any of friends family anyone would ask you like what's your favorite book most impactful book well see i'm much more of a magazine reader than oh, okay than books like when it comes to i recently read the book untamed by um london doyle and even though that's not like specifically like business related, I think it was, you know, for this point in my life and like the struggles we're going through and like, um, it kind of talks about living through your imagination, okay. which I think for entrepreneurs could be a really, you know, kind of touching thing to read about. So I'll give that book a plug. Um, and then I read, <laughs> the Atlantic magazine is always on my nightstand and like better homes and gardens. Because okay. I like to be crafty. Love it. No, <laughs> and I, you know, it's funny. It's funny. I've gotten this before. People are like, they feel bad if they don't have like a business book, but I'm like, some of the best suggestions are like outside of that. You know what I mean? You got to have other sources of creativity. So I like it. I've, I've spent years reading business books or self-improvement books. So I want to actually start reading more fiction. Okay. I got two more books for you. Let's go. Let's hear them. Spirit of Business and Entrepreneurship. Shoe Dog by Phil Knight is amazing. That's, that's on my list. I haven't read it yet, but that's been, that's been suggested on here quite a few times. Has it? Okay. Yeah. I wanted to bring something fresh. Uh, <laughs> okay. You Are a Message. I have not heard of that one. It's, a, it's an incredibly quick, fast read. I think it's the, the author is Prof G. Okay. It's a marketing book. Got it. You Are Which, the Message. You are a message. A message. Okay. Got it's a it. Read. It, it, it allows you to think about how you should communicate with your customer. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Got it. I'll link that one. We'll give another plug to a fellow uh, entrepreneur uh, in Phoenix, the store Noons. Yeah. Noons. Where you can yeah. pick it up if you're in Phoenix. Okay. I love it. Oh, they actually have the book. Yeah. That's where we got the book. N O O N S. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Um, Purple Cow is great. I mean, there's a lot of books. Purple Cow is great too by Seth Godin. I have not read that one, but that's on my, I know I have like a laundry list of books that I'll probably never get to that, that, that one's on the list. Okay. Very good. Love it. Those are great. Thank you. If you don't have any children yet, Shane, I would say read as much as you can now. Okay. Good advice. Has some then, really yeah. excellent, um, content. Uh, yeah. We, yeah. We Mo Willems. Excellent author. Yeah. Mo Willems. Okay. 
I was going to say, I had a, a guest a few episodes ago who actually sent me a Dr. Seuss book. I had, that was like the first Dr. Seuss suggestion I had on here. That was this one book he suggested. And it was actually really good. I had never read it. It was, Oh, the places you will go. Nice. Yeah, was, I hadn't read it. I read it, you know, in 10 minutes, it was great. That was very, uh, it was a good suggestion. Um, oh, now my dog's joining. Um, so the, the last uh, major question I wanted to ask both you guys um, just from like an entrepreneurial standpoint is, um, you know, in, John, you hit on it from earlier. You said you, you're a list person. Um, you guys have to have between Jessica working a full-time job and John running the day-to-day. There's a, must be a million things going on between, you know, your careers, humble kids. How do you guys keep track of everything and prioritize what's the most important? Like, do you guys use, you know, paper and pen notebook? Do you have apps you use? Like what are the tools and tricks that you guys use to kind of keep your life in order? Calendly is a great, you know, you and I exchange. Yes. Yep. I I just started using that. So I'm, I'm pumped for that. That's probably what takes the most time to get someone like to say yes, to come on to then getting them scheduled is like the 10 back and forths of sharing calendar times. So I stumbled on that at Calendly. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely a great resource. The entire G Suite, you know, we use. Yeah, I, I think Google Drive for us is, it, it, what's great about it is it just, it's just easy to yeah. use. Would have, it's free. And right. you can, yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> and then, you know, the free. app's on your phone or you're on your computer. Yeah. And we're always moving in different directions. So that's been great. I do just like, like I like to read a book, like the physical book. I'm just with a notebook. Okay. As well. uh, and so that allows me to focus, I think. But, you know, neither Jess or I are like super rigid individuals. Maybe she might actually disagree with that offline. She might be rigid. I don't know. We'll find out. We'll see how well we know each other. Um, but our priorities, we know that they will shift in a daily basis, right? Okay. I mean, there's be, obviously, fundraising is a massive priority. And so that's been a big priority for the last three weeks. Um, so that will, will dictate most of our time, uh, followed by sales, you know, sales yeah. cure all, right? And then so yes. that means. The other more administrative things or even marketing related may take a back seat. So it's generally kind of the rhythm that we use. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it also, every day is an adventure. And so you have to embrace the journey in this world. Got it. There's a lot of things that are just out of your control. Like you can't control a pandemic. There's a major shortage of, of glass and plastic jars. You know, Who like, knew? Yeah, Who knew? So, you can't control that. Yeah, for sure. Okay. You got to be able to roll with it you know, some things. Anyway. Yeah. No, that makes yeah, sense. I think this, is, this experience has actually made you less rigid. Okay. Uh, because interesting. Yeah. Like there's so many things every day that just like. Parenting is, I think made me less rigid too. Like you have to learn to mm-hmm. let go as a parent of a six and a four year old. Got it. I don't know where they get it, but they have strong wills. <laughs> So and they don't have turn- calendars, right? Yeah, no. But they, you know, you know, Maeve can tell time. And so, uh, yeah, I have to know when to just kind of walk away. Otherwise, it's going to turn into a battle. Sure. Okay. No, that yeah, makes like, sense. Yeah. And then Jessica, is the same for you? Are you a notebook person and in, uh, in using G Suite? Um, I'm less, I mean, I definitely like physical paper. I'm not as much of like, a list person. Okay. John and you know, I, I think for us in this kind of place we're in right now with me working full time, it's like looking too far out is almost like more of a a drain on our resources and the precious little time that we do have because it's like if we plan out two weeks from now, there's going to be so many things that change and shift in between them that it's all going to be for not. So we've just figured out like, you know, we're checking in with each other all the time. So it's like, what do we need to do in the next two days? And then what do we need to do in the next two days after that? And that's just kind of, I think more of a, where we're a place that we're in right now. But I, I don't know, like even in my, in my professional job, like we use Box, we use Asana, Slack, and, and to some extent, it's like I don't, I don't know for me personally if like an app or a thing had makes me any more efficient than just like good old fashioned picking up a phone, having a ten minute conversation just to like 
work it out because sure yeah pretty simple sometimes know. we can get over over that paralysis by analysis i i feel that way i usually i'm back to notebook and paper i it, i was getting too caught up in like time blocking my calendar and trying all sorts of wacky things then you end up doing spending more time on that than actually getting shit done so no i definitely understand that well thank you so much guys it was really a pleasure to have you guys on um where's the best place for people to learn more about humble and you guys uh our website humblenutbutter.com instagram i'd start there okay uh, we, we ship all over the country we've shipped to puerto rico a handful of times too which is pretty cool awesome uh, so i'd start there but thank you shane for what you're doing for entrepreneurs in this space and dropping some knowledge in finance because not everybody has that skill set so that's that's useful hopefully i'm adding some value that's my whole goal so we'll see hopefully it's helping some people <laughs> it is thank you well awesome well no thank you guys for taking the time and um, it was a pleasure to know you guys good luck with everything with the business I'm uh, I'm excited to see how you guys continue to grow and all the the fun stuff ahead. I'm gonna pick some up. My wife uh, is big into savory stuff, so when I told her you guys were coming on, she she was very excited to to hear more about it. So, um, thank you for all you're doing. I'm excited to see how you guys do. Right, I appreciate you. it, Shane. Thanks, man. Awesome. Okay, well, we'll talk soon. Thanks, guys. Thanks for coming on. Bye. Bye. All right. See ya. Thanks, folks, for listening to another episode of Simply Finance with Shane White. Hope you guys loved that episode with John and Jessica Waller of Humble Nut Butter. Uh, In today's show notes, if you go uh, to the bottom, you'll see a few links. And as always, I just want to remind you of what's in those. If you want to check out Humble Nut Butter, I've added links to their website. And you can also find them uh, on social media, you know, Instagram, all the normal spots. And I've linked those below as well. I've added links to the books that they recommended in today's episode. And then as always, the few that I always want to remind you guys of, uh, if you're interested in getting you know, started with your investing journey and you don't know where to start, there's a few links below, below what I just mentioned that will be great places for you to start. The first is the Robinhood link. This is the platform that I use for all my investing, as all of you know. And it's a great place to start with you know, minimal money free uh, transaction fees. There's no transaction fees. And um, they're not a a, uh, sponsor of the podcast, but I love talking about them. I love their products. So give them a chance. If you don't know what types of companies or which stocks in particular to invest in, uh, you can check out the COVID stock market rebound tracker. This is still the tracker, you know, that I started at the beginning of this podcast uh, that you can check out with the stocks that I'm invested in, the ones that I'm keeping an eye on, and anything new that comes up on my horizon, I'm sharing with all of you guys for free. So give that a shot. Um, I haven't talked about them in a few episodes. It's Again, I love sharing out brands that I personally use and love. And so one that's not in the CPG space, uh, and definitely not in food, but something that I have on me every single day is Whoop. They're also not a sponsor of the podcast, but I've added a link to the Whoop website and uh, a link that's personal to me. Uh, if you use the link, you know I get a free month on my Whoop and you get to start off with a free strap and a free month for yourself. So give Whoop a shot. It's honestly, I've tried, I'm one of those people that's tried a million different fitness trackers and this is a much more than that. So give them a shot. It's an amazing product. And then as, as well, uh, the last link is RX Bar. So give them a shot. It's a company I work for. We love your support. And uh, as always, thank you everybody for listening. And we'll be back with a new episode soon. All right. Have a good day.